Welcome to House Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Housman. Come on in, take your shoes off, take your hat off, your coat, your shirt, your pants. You got to keep something on, though, because this is not a nudist colony. This is the House of Wrestling, and we are in full effect. Come on into the living room here today. Sit by the fireplace. It is a little, we got some fall weather going on in Chicago. And let's chat some pro wrestling with our very good friend, Marsh. Marsh, thank you so much for finally coming in here to the House of Wrestling. And I think it's awesome to be here. I'm really excited about it. I'm actually right in front of my fireplace. Oh, look at that. <laughs> the, first time, the first time we've ever physically had a fireplace in the shot. I always welcome people to sit by the fireplace because I love a good fireside chat. Um, and now we actually are having a fireside chat today, Marsh. That tickles me. For sure, dude. I'm ready for the house. No, yeah. In the yeah, house. I've been listening. There's a there's a great house. You're familiar with the, the hip-hop group House of Pain? Yes. House of Pain, a group of, uh, I believe, Boston-area white Irish gentlemen who did hip-hop in the 90s. There's a great song called Put On Your Shit Kickers and Kick Some Shit, and it goes, the house of wrestling's in full effect. Everybody in the back say, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I, I said house of wrestling. It's house of pain is in full effect. But I'll be, I'm going to, I'm going to parody that soon. I'm going to make it ours, Marsh. Uh, maybe I'm not as big a fan of theirs as I should be. I did not know about the shit kicking song. Put on your shit kickers in, kick some shit. Put on your shit kickers in, kick some shit. Put on your shit kickers in, kick some shit. That was a little throwback for everybody out there who's a House of Pain fan. Um, we have a great show here today, everybody. Marsh and I are in the house. We are in full effect. Uh, we have Ricochet here later on in the program as well. And if you are watching this all in video form, live, first run, you are watching us on Premier Streaming Network, where every... Tuesday and Thursday at noon Eastern, you can come find the latest episode of House of Wrestling featuring me, my great co-hosts, all of our guests, the whole cavalcade of carnival personalities. Tuesday, Thursday, first run over here at Premier Streaming Network. Check it out. Check out everything else they offer. And uh, you can also find us over on the House of Wrestling podcast feed and the House of Wrestling YouTube channel if you want even more House of Wrestling content or just to find the show in audio form. Um, also. If you like House of Wrestling, you got to go to houseofwrestling.com, H-A-U-S of wrestling.com. We are seeing more traffic than we've ever seen. It's a great week. We're constantly growing. Please come over to houseofwrestling.com. Check out what we're offering. We got some big exclusives. We got, got we got interviews. We got coverage. We got analysis. It's all there. And speaking of, we're actually going to lead off here today with a House of Wrestling exclusive that I dropped here in the last 48 hours uh, since we have last taped. And that is, of course, some CM Punk news. Uh, now, Fightful Sean Ross Sapp put out a tweet that I was made aware of in real time while recording with Wade Keller for the Pro Wrestling Torch. So if anybody wants to go hear my real-time reaction to Sean's tweet, you can go check out the Torch with me and Wade. But, but Sean said that um, Phil Brooks, CM Punk, had not been made aware by AEW of his suspension yet. And I saw it, and I love Sean, and Sean's not wrong about this for what it's worth. But I had to, on the air, take a pause and couch what I wanted to say because that I knew was not entirely accurate. Because the truth of it, from what I had learned earlier in the morning and had not reported because I try to stay out of, like, legal stuff that I could get entangled in. Um, but in the, in the sake of transparency, because I don't want people thinking that AEW has not contacted punk and let him know about the suspension because they did in a way because they told his lawyer and then his lawyer told 
punk about the suspension. So there was a kind of telephone, telefriend, telewrestler type communication here to to get that to to punk. But um, Marshall, I'll throw it to you. I've done a lot of talking here. What do you make of the fact that these two sides are now communicating through lawyers? Well, if your talent relations isn't allowed in the building, I imagine there's at least a tension between those two. <laughs> so I can't imagine Phil wanted a phone call from Christopher Daniels or vice versa. First off. That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. This is a good uh, punditry. Good analysis. Yep. True. The second. Probably, I didn't want to hear from the fallen angel. Great point. Yes. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, like, I mean, does Tony look at Christopher Daniels like, hey, you want to give a... And CM Punk know what's going on with the talent like, thing on this. Tony, I'm you not... put on your shit kickers and kick some shit. All right. I'm out. I'm not dealing with this. Bullet a he China looks... shop over here. You know, he just looks up over his coffee and just goes, uh, I'll catch him at the show that I'm not allowed in. I guess. How about that? Uh, secondly, this just to me further solidifies the stories that we've heard over and over and over and over again that Tony Khan is really inactive in communicating with his talent when there's any form of issue or problem. Yeah. Like, or even like your contract's running up. What have we heard from everyone who no longer works there? I just stopped hearing back from him. You know what I mean? This is just one more thing where Tony doesn't want to be a part of the not fun part of owning a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the glory, none of the residual kind of mess, if there is any kind of left behind, right? It's yeah. like an ideal situation, right? Of course. And you want to see the best parts of your company and maybe not look directly into the sun of some of the worst parts of others. I do think that there is a big difference this time around in the sense that Tony and Punk don't appear to be talking, right? Like in the past, these two after altercations took place usually had some kind of detente or it was like text or it was like an in-person mm-hmm. uh, conversation. And from what I, from what I gather of the situation, I, I don't, I, and things could have changed here. I mean, I've talk, I haven't talked to anybody this morning. Things happen overnight, but I had not heard of any movement between punks camp and AEW, AKA Tony Khan actually making contact. And there, there could be good reason for that Marsh because the wrestling observer is saying that Tony Khan was actually present. God, my jaw dropped when I heard this. Tony Khan, I did. I was like, wow. So a date, like I thought I'd heard everything about what went down between Punk and Perry. And here comes Brian Alvarez yesterday on The Observer. I think he may have been late on Tuesday said this, that Tony Khan was in Gorilla. He was in the room when this thing goes down and that it was so close to him what was happening that monitors got knocked onto Tony Khan. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Again, slight differences with my contemporaries. I actually like Brian for what it's worth. Have no issues, even though on social media recently, we've had to have a couple corrections. Um, Brian described like the closest and the monitors, and I haven't disputed that part of it. But then he starts talking about how Tony saw all of it. And that is, that's not what I've heard. From what I think happened is like, so when when you're sitting at monitors, you're looking at them, right? And you've got headsets on and you're like getting ready to do the biggest show you've ever produced. What's going on over your shoulder? You may not be fully aware of. Again, you have big headphones on. You are looking at monitors. I believe and we're getting into Zabruder film ter- territory now. I believe that this happened behind Tony 
And then they bumped into this table. Monitors fall forward onto Tony. Tony turns around and is then aware that something has happened. And that is why I think there is an internal investigation because I don't think Tony knows exactly what happened, but I do think Tony knows that he was put in danger and had monitors dropped onto him. And that is a big no, no. That is like, (laughs) you two can beat the piss out of each other. But the moment that I physically somehow get involved, it's like when, it's like when Titus O'Neil grabbed Vince McMahon's arm. Remember that? Hmm. And then they suspended him. You know, this is the most valuable person in the entire company. Vince, Tony, you can't just lay hands on them, become physical with them. Hard no. And so that's why I think there's this investigation, this tension and all of the blah, blah, blah. I I don't think Tony actually saw it is what I I guess I'm saying. So I could see that. I wonder, I mean, on both sides of it, I can imagine that a lot of, chaos in in their own regards happen in gorilla just like loud conversations and stuff not necessarily fighting but i'm sure there's a lot so i could imagine keeping your headphones loud right yeah to watch yeah, some of that trying, out. yeah because you want to be able to hear the camera people you want to be able to hear your commentators you know like that's why i say i i do believe that these monitors or something happened to make tony aware of it but I think that he was so engaged with the monitors and the headsets that I don't know that he was necessarily looking over his shoulder hearing and seeing the do you want to go uh real glass bro uh push push choke hold until these guys are you know physically knocking stuff and he's made aware of it because by all accounts it it was broken up very very quickly Samoa Joe it sounds like got got involved I've heard others that I don't want to name drop because I really don't want to draw anybody else into this situation but it sounds like there were a couple people back there that, that pulled this thing apart very, very quickly. And, and it wasn't like a, a long drawn out situation or anything like that. The other part that I can understand though, if, if Tony was in the room, there's two sides I could see. I could see Tony being incredibly sheepish during all of this. Uh, surprised he wasn't hugging anybody. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> he does love a hug, doesn't he? <laughs> he loves a good hug. Loves him. Who doesn't? He, I, I love him. Uh, I don't think that the talent and especially seasoned talent have much respect for Tony in the big picture. They have, have mm-hmm. kind of immediacy respect towards him. Uh, I mean, even shouting back to Samoa Joe, and I don't mean this as a dig, but when you see him debut uh, months and months ago, there's the media scrum afterwards and yeah. Tony gets up to hug him. And Joe just stands there for one. But then at the end of it, Joe didn't even look at him. He turned and shot off right as tony was like trying to go back to him i don't think that i don't think that they would have stopped or cared if tony was in the room and watching and i think he would have bug-eyed at it if he did see it but i agree that there's every plausible deniability of the shots we've seen of gorilla it really does look like a table facing a wall yeah and tony's sitting there and he's got the headphones on and he's looking at the monitor and that's his priority is booking and running his wrestling show and again over his shoulder is what i believe happened these two altercate bump bump tony's now and uh, the monitors are falling i'm getting physically hurt this is a step too far this is getting uh too weird and then there was some fallout pulling apart sounds like jack left punk left after his own volition for what it's worth and yada 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 um i, I think i think that's a i think that's a fair observation for what it's worth marsh about the more seasoned talent um, kind of looking a little past Tony, you know, in, in these yeah. situations. And that's, the, and I think that goes back to the communication issue, right? Because, you know, you look at 
again, the Heathrow Airport story, right? And then after I put out the Heathrow Airport story, you start to hear stories that are like, well, Punk wasn't alone. There were other people that got to the airport and didn't have transportation, right? I've seen some internal documents about how I think Levy Margolin uh, shared some on social media uh, uh, with instructions about how to find cars and signage and things like that. But regardless, these, you know, I listened to Booker T's comments yesterday uh, on his Hall of Fame podcast about the punk situation. And I loved that he just said, if I show up and there's nobody there and I don't know how to get to my hair, my, my hotel, I'm getting back on that plane and I am leaving. And that is a shoot. And if they force me, and he got, the full quotes on the, the full yeah. quote is on the site. And I encourage everybody to go listen and support Booker and read this quote because he's like, when I get to the, if they force me to go to the hotel, I get to the hotel and I'm going to be, in his words, odd about it i'm gonna keep bawling i'm gonna keep complaining i'm gonna keep being insistent really just laying it in you know because it is easy to say oh well can't you call a car whatever these people their lives are on the road their homes are on the road these are people that are accustomed to living a certain quality of life with their dog and their wife and whoever their kids uh, back home and when they leave and are you're they're giving you their time to go do an event, they're expecting a certain quality of lifestyle. And I don't mean that to be like bourgeoisie versus the working class, but that's the truth of the matter. These people, they don't, they, I know how much it takes to get these, some of these people out of the house and it is a yeah. lot of money and it, there are conditions. So you, you do, you hear that from that talent that are accustomed to that, that aren't getting that communication, that kind of treatment. And I think that is kind of what leads to that kind of, looking pastedness that, that you're referring to there marsh uh it sounds like a talent relations issue if only they had a talent relation guy <laughs> god damn <laughs> and i look i had i had said it a couple weeks ago but i think i don't know if it was if they were doing it or if they should but i think that if you're going to do this hard split dynamite collision maybe you have two ta head of talent relations maybe you have one that's the collision guy one that's the dynamite guy you know, um, I, I don't think we need to get into the tribalistic nature of doctors. I think doctors could probably work both shows. I'm not saying you need to have completely different crews and things like that. But I think a different office for each brand might be beneficial where you have people that can go into rooms and negotiate on behalf of people that don't want to be around or make decisions or lay down the law. Just a thought. It's it's only beneficial because I mean, so according to what I've read, because it's Punk's decision to make it a hard split in that he's the one who says that I don't want that talent relation in here. So if you make a new talent relations, you're literally making a CM Punk talent relations spot. Yeah. WWE I, I think, doesn't use multi-talent relations because they're allowed in every building because talent they, don't run the show. It's very, I, in Marsh, you're not wrong. It is, it is very, it's a very, very, very different vibe over at WWE. Um, I, I, I do, um, you know, again, they don't want Ace there, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, fine, you get one of mine, I get one of yours. And I don't know that I don't know that Punk or others necessarily view Daniels uh, as always talent relations. You know, like he's also wrestling and working his own thing on the card, and he's got indie shows and things. You know, so I don't know if they, he's agenting. So I think mm -hmm. that Punk. I don't. Again, I'm not. I don't know for certain on this, but I would think that Punk views Daniels more as just an agent and maybe he hasn't engaged with him and like a traditional talent relations level if that makes any sense yeah i poke a lot of fun at it because i also poke fun at the idea that he's talent relations when we still hear about these people who are let go by having their contracts run out with nobody contacting him that's 
strictly that's a talent relations thing. I don't know that I've heard of anything happening where someone said, well, I spoke with talent relations. You know what I mean? I don't know what talent relations looks like over there. I think talent relations needs a, a complete overhaul in whatever it is. Yeah. Well, and the problem is, is just to be honest, like I think that everything goes back to Tony and you know, it's, it's very much mom, dad situation. If mom says you can't have something, you need to go to dad, dad says sure. Or vice versa, whatever. Um, there's always kind of, that. there's a lack of authority, right? Where it's like, this is a person who lays down the law because if the, you don't like the, the law that's laid down, you can appeal to the Supreme court. <laughs> and Like mm. it, it creates a kind of structure there where, you know, people don't feel like they need to listen to people in certain ways or, you know, do other things of that nature. Um, I, there was this other story here in, CM, in the CM Punk block that I'll throw out there before we somehow move on to other news. I don't even... <laughs> is there a show this weekend? <laughs> but, but also on The Observer, Alvarez described this... He described what he thought was nearly a fight between CM Punk and Miro backstage at All Out or All In after Punk's match. And uh, I had heard... I had oh, first of all, these two guys are friends, and I was very, very surprised to hear that there would be an altercation. Um, but then quickly after asking around, I was like, Yeah, I heard some people would be like, dude, there's like a joke in the trainer's room where like, you know, I think they like bumped into each other and punk was like, Do you want to fight? And Miro's like, Why do we need to fight? Let's take it to the ring. And they like laughed about it. But somebody in the room ran out and told other people there was nearly a fight between <laughs> Punk and Miro. And then all of those people ran and talked to Brian Alvarez. And the story was related to something where, once again, frame Punk was framed as not being able to walk five feet without being able to step into a fight. Um, so I, I immediately responded to when I saw it. And I just said, for what it's worth, I don't think this is true. Not that I said Brian was lying because I thought that there was like def two shared space and maybe made a joke about it. Mm. But then Sean Ross Sapp takes a step further. God bless goes and really finds the details of this joke and he goes and he makes a video about it that you should watch and it's really much ado about nothing but it's another kind of you know this is a grown-ass man uh, you know grown-ass man is as you get older do you like dealing with bullshit drama i sure as shit don't you know yeah no i cut a lot of people out just <laughs> with for less than things for sure yeah and so it's it's we're at a real interesting spot here, Marsh, because I, I definitely am operating under the impression that CM Punk is not happy. Like, you know, we've heard him, people say he threatened to quit. I've heard I've heard that he does not want to be there. I'll put it that way. And everything has been eerily quiet for about 36 hours. You know, uh, mm. I hate to say I have the storm out of respect to the people in Florida right now who are dealing with an actual storm. And I don't want to <laughs> I guess I said it, but I, I kind of immediately regret it because there are very people being very much affected by storms right now. But it is eerily it is eerily calm and quiet at the moment, and I am waiting for something to happen. You know, dynamite came and went last night. No punk. I mean, we saw him in the all out kind of recap video, but that was it, and no announcement about a punk match. And as we head into collision here on Saturday, uh, Ricky Starks is going to be challenging Ricky Steamboat to a strap match. Fightful reported last night that Starks may have been. Uh, working towards a match with Punk at All Out that was going to headline. That may be up in the air now. I, I also very much believe that that's up in the air. I don't know if we get Punk this weekend, Marsh. I'll just be honest. That's what I'm That's what I'm building up the legend trying to say here. I don't know that we get him. I don't know that he comes back. 
I mean, for what it's worth, they didn't do much to build something. They were they had a small window to try and build something to make us need him on all Alamon. So there's not really a story there that they can't pick up later. But yeah, that's to do that in Chicago, such a big one, such a staple. It seems um, it seems peculiar at best. I'll say. Um, I feel that Punk is going to clear the air when he goes back onto Colt Cabana's podcast and sorts this all out. You know what? I think Art of Wrestling will once again be the United <laughs> Nations of pro wrestling, the, the World Summit to settle these issues. They'll just go on there, they'll have hatchets in hand, and then they'll walk over, put a hole in the ground, and they'll put the hatchets in there after teasing, physically actually killing one another. Um yeah, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, this uh, I don't want to be too doom and gloom because, you know, let's all knock on wood. The cooler heads prevail and something happens. Um, and I don't want to uh, I don't want to be too definitive because there's always a chance things could work out. But I do wonder if we have uh, if the book of the chapter in Punk's career of AEW. I wonder if it is done. Like, I genuinely wonder if, if we have reached the end. We can we're going to know here within a week if, if that's the case or not. I think that. It's so wild because when he left last year, he left as the world champion after wrestling in the, were they in United last year for all out or no, they were, yeah, I thought they, they were in, to Chicago. Well, they, but they were doing the now arena for all out. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying, is yeah. this the first year that uh, I think this is the first year they're doing United. So yeah, whatever went out in the main event, world title champion in his hometown couldn't have written a, a better storybook ending if he had never wanted to come back. He comes back. Everything's batshit. Put on your shit kickers. Kick some shit style. And then we get to just before All Out and what is possibly his last match, he walks out again with the world championship. Uh, ironically enough, the one he claims he had at All Out last year, if you're talking lineage, and it was in the opening match this time, but in front of an even possibly bigger and more meaningful crowd. And what's what's the incentive there to come back? What's the what's the next big where do, where do, where does he go from here and do what in AEW what he has not done yet? I, I think that's a big lingering question um, in his in his mind. You know, I think what he hasn't done yet. I think the lingering thing that he would have to justify is, do you want to end your career as in a sense, proving the comments that Seth had made right, where Seth had, I believe it was to your face, where he said, the guy's a cancer, leave him wherever he's at. Yeah. You know, like, at this point, if he leaves now, his legacy will be that he is a terrible, <laughs> terrible addition to any locker room, and given the opportunity to significantly help younger talent and new companies, will destroy it from within instead. It, you know, and is if that what you out- want? Well, but I mean, when he's out, you know, unless Tony Khan gives him a boatload of money to never talk about his experience in AEW, I would think that he would do everything in his power to change that narrative and give his perception of, you know, how things are going in that company. Um, because yeah. I, I do think it's going to be muddled. I think that in the long run, this period will be looked back on and these kinds of squabbles and people coming in and out. I do think it will be dissected there there's a lot there's so much more going on here than people would even imagine it is crazy how much chess yeah. playing is going on behind the scenes 
Yeah. And I imagine that at the end of the day, he'd point the finger a lot at Tony Khan, justifiably so. I just think the vast majority of wrestling fans make their decisions based off of rumor and not off what people are saying, because he can say it all he wants till he's blue in the face. There's going to be a huge contingent just saying he's just saying that to cover his ass. You know what I mean? Well, it's just unless you can go there and prove that you are a different way that everyone knows. It's just words, you know, and with that. Tony Khan is doing a media call yes. at 2 o'clock Eastern today. I will be on that call. We will be live tweeting any news highlights coming out of that call over at Wrestling House, our official Twitter handle, our X handle, Zed it out. Um, and uh, we'll see how today goes. It's going to be a fascinating couple days. And uh, we, uh, we won't be back with a new episode until Tuesday, which will be bloated, I'm sure. And uh, I found out this morning, tentatively, I'll have Denise Salcedo on with me on Tuesday to talk about this. And Denise was sitting next to me at last year's all out. and caught the footage that has been passed around millions and millions of times. Now we're telling we're seeing punk just stares right down at me and her camera angle makes it look as if he is staring into your soul. So awesome. there you go. All right. Uh, a little bit of non CM punk news here now coming out of AEW. There were a couple people missing from last night's show. The observer saying uh, changes had to be made. Uh, due to dynamite uh, because of missing talent omega he missed uh, dynamite due to travel complications uh, because of hurricane idelia uh, going down in florida uh, soraya and swerve they missed the show because of an undisclosed illness obviously a bummer for soraya fans in the women's division as she is the new aw women's world champion uh, and did not get to to come out and capitalize on that win on on wednesday night um any thoughts on the talent they weren't able to make it last night. Yeah, I mean, it's a bummer. You want to come out, especially when you're the new champion. I, but at the same time, we don't always see the champion right away after that. So when she does come back, I'm sure it's going to be to a great ovation. I hope that this is where they make her just go ahead and be the good guy and be the person that we wanted her to be since she showed up. Uh, just, I mean, nothing but best wishes. It's these illnesses, man. Well, and it's in, you know, it, it, it probably is not great timing either because you look at the card here, and we'll go, I'm going to run on the card in a second, but there's really only. Not really only. There is only one women's match once again on an AEW card. Uh, this time around, it's the TBS champion, uh, Chris Statlander, defending against Ruby Soho. I have to imagine this is going to come up in the press scrums again, if not on the press conf or the media call this afternoon. Two big shows in a row where the women will have only had one match. I mean, it, 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 I see so much discourse around this. Is it hurting, helping, or, or not? I can't see it helping, but is it doing any significant harm do you think to AEW that the women have been relegated uh as much as they have in recent months it's got to do some i mean there's a huge contingent of massive women's wrestling fans above all else like you see people who they won't even online like men like make a mention of the men doing anything ever it's always the men had this many minutes or the women had this many minutes in this tournament or i think that it doesn't make them look like they're in a better light and I mean, realistically, they just need someone to focus on the division and make some more stories. Like you've got two champions and no stories. Yeah. You know, the, the championships are the stories. Right. And that's yeah. the thing is heading into payback on Saturday. Six matches announced so, so far. Two of them are women's matches. One of them, Raquel and Rhea for a title. The other one is Trish and Becky. No title. Steel cage match. Just two women, notable women that have been each other's throats. They threw Zoe Stark in there, a young talent to get her over, get her into the mix, warm her up for whatever's on the other side. That's the way you do it, buddy. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take a ton. And even then, you've got Soraya, who's still part of a, a, a faction. The story should be robust enough that if the champion can't make it, you got a couple outliers who could. You know what I mean? But at the same time, do you force something to fill out the card if it doesn't? I mean, but you just had the other big show. They they should have more. They should yeah. do something. Well, well, Fightful, like I said, reported that uh, Starks and Punk was rumored for the show. Now it looks like we'll get Starks and Steamboat in a strap match, which is like some straight Joey Janela spring break stuff, which I love that Joey called out. But that's going to be on Collision, right? Uh, that He's going to call him out for the match on Collision. So oh, he's go- okay. So on Collision, Ricky, unless I'm misreading this, but I believe that to be the truth. I think Ricky calls out Steamboat on Saturday night for the strap match. Um, and you know what? Hey, this is where if Punk coming back, he comes out and says, I'm not putting this, I'm not putting Ricky Steamboat in this strap match. I'm going to beat you myself with this strap. That's got it. That's, that's it. Like if that doesn't happen, yeah. that's the tell. Right. And, yeah. uh, if it's going to happen, whether it's Tony saying, look, dude, uh, everything is bad shit. I will grant you your release, but we need you at collision. We need you at all out. And after all out, you can go, you can leave. We will do uh, You don't have to be here anymore. Just give me these two shows because if you're not here, huge black eye. The other side of that is CM Punk goes F off. No, here's your black eye. I would like to leave now. You don't get anything. Boo, 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 hoo, go home now. Um, those are the two viable options in this, opinion, in, in this situation for me. Well, the other thing you keep the, keep his contract to keep monetizing his merch. Yeah. But they're not even doing that. There were no, there was no merchandise available at Dynamite for Punk last night. I got several photos of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they All right. Okay. <laughs> See, my thought was like, hey, if you're gonna have a dude on such a high contract, run his contract out and keep making more things. Make another shirt. Make another toy. Whatever it takes. Just get that money back. Didn't they? There was somebody they. I think it was. Oh, it was unfortunately. Uh, it was the first time they let Bray Wyatt go, and then they mm-hmm. they did like a they did like a fire sale. They had all his merchandise like sixty percent off at house shows. They just had because they had so much Bray Wyatt merchandise. I remember they had like warehouses of it. They had to get rid of it all very quickly. Yeah. So they're not, but they're not doing that. With, I was, and look, oh man, I you know I don't want to read too much into they're not selling CM Punk merch at Dynamite, but doesn't that seem weird? Doesn't it? Seems really weird. Seems it seems really weird. weird, doesn't it? Because I feel like the AEW's big thing that they can hang their hat on always is we're the ones that got CM Punk back. Oh. That's the biggest thing that they've ever done outside of existing to begin with. You know what I mean? Sounds like Vince McMahon may be the one to bring CM Punk back. I actually, I think if he's out, I think he might be done. I, I mean, I just, I think he's into Hollywood now and has other things he could be doing. I don't know that wrestling's for punk anymore, which is whatever. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so we might, so we'll find out on collision what all happens there. Uh, FTR, the young bucks after throwing down at all in are going to go all out side by side, taking on bullet club gold, uh, Luchasaurus, uh, TNT title versus Darby Allen, Miro powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, like I said, Statlander, Soho, Omega, Takashita with Don Callis, Orange Cassidy, John Moxley, which uh, had a really nice send off on Dynamite. Uh, Eddie Kingston and uh, Katsusuri Shibata uh, versus uh, Blackpool Combat Clubs, Claudio Casagnoli and Wheeler Yuta. And spoiler, pause it. Go ahead. 30 seconds here if you don't want to spoiler. Actually, I don't know how long you have to pause. Just stop listening. I'm going to say it because it's so notable. Uh, MJF and Adam Cole. Uh, coming off of their ROH world title win and their their big main event. We'll be following it up at All Out. And the winners of the Battle Royal that will be shown on Rampage. So again, this is a spoiler. Uh, Dark Order. Uh, MJF, Adam Cole versus Dark Order on All Out. Man, I was I thought we'd at least get Kingdom. Dark Order really grabbed. I, wow, man. That's a good point. 
I was going to say, I was a lot less shocked when I realized it was the Ring of Honor Tag Championship because they just kind of put people over there, it seems. Yeah. But Kingdom is actually a great, that would have been a great move, especially because it's for Ring of Honor. Yeah, right. That makes right? a lot of sense. Yes, it would have made a lot of sense. Now we have two. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it would have made a shit ton of sense. Put on your shit ton of th- sense uh, shoes and kick some shit. Um, yes, it was. It is very odd to me. This this match feels like a. Di- I mean, up and down the card, you know, outside of the interest in like the, the what's going on with Starks and Steamboat and possibly Punk, FTR Bucks Bullet Club Gold. It, I, I mean, if they had more time to tell it, I think would I'd be more on the hook. But everything's just been. Sh- moving around so quickly it just kind of feels thrown together and just like the rest of it but much like payback i think these shows over deliver i think they're gonna be very very good shows i think fans are gonna walk away talking saying very nice things about these shows and once again you know the 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 dialogue we're having right now about how there really isn't a whole lot of build or story going into these shows will just fade to the background as they do for most AEW pay-per-views you know yeah for what it's worth as much as i uh really love my stories i think the base contingency fan of aew really wants the matches the stories are a nice sprinkle for them you know what i mean and i get that and i think that's totally fine but as long as the match delivers hey it doesn't matter how we got here you know and at the same time if you have a great story that has a really bad match that's got a that, that feels a lot worse than having a poor story with a great match I just I think they're missing out on bringing more people to the table, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's definitely that that contingent of hardcore fans who just really want great matches and they just love wrestling. But I think that the bigger audience is, you know, obviously soap operas, right? These big epic mm-hmm. stories. The Bloodline proved that, you know, they're they're drawing more viewers for promo time than they are for matches, right? And that's something that people, you know, people want to watch things that they can relate to and and feel and that's what stories do they make you feel they make you put yourself in this person's shoes right there's a little bit of that going on with mjf cole i think roderick strong is probably the most complicated interesting character in the entire company right now against all odds uh and maybe that was by design but there's not enough of that and it's non-existent in the women's division just non-existent it's unfortunate yeah yeah, it's yeah, it's tough to figure out who's focusing on what. Um, well, I mentioned Bray Wyatt earlier real quickly. I just want to let everybody know there might be some more people missing next week uh, on some AEW shows as Bray Wyatt services are going to be taking uh, place. And Tony Khan has told any talent who want to attend those and, and grieve uh, that they're more than welcome to do so, which is awesome. Credit where credit is due. Uh, over in WWE world, uh, Fightful reporting that WWE may have secretly re-signed the authors of pain last year before Vince McMahon returned and put on a hiring freeze. But there does sound like there's some people that have been hired like them and maybe Brian Pillman Jr. A couple others. Uh, They were listed internally as part of a WWE travel schedule back in May. Uh, How do you feel about authors pain possibly getting back into the mix? What do you think of the the act? Do you like them? I've always thought they were great. And I think that, uh, I mean, they did wonders with Drake Maverick surprisingly, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I've thought that they were, an incredible team. I mean, I just think about their their ladder match they had in NXT. There's so much potential there, even with Ellering by their side. Ton of potential. I always felt like they super delivered and came off really believable as some shit kickers. Yes, so I, I have... agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I hope they come back. I think they'd be welcome. 
you know, we're going to see what's going to next month is going to be so crazy. This month was already so historic and crazy. Next month, baby, UFC and WWE are going to merge and we are going to see what this company really looks like. You know, we have been it has been they've done a good job of keeping the stories going with the talent that they have. No big, crazy moves, no big, crazy releases, no drama, no drama. Really been drama free, you know, except for Vince, who's a walking dumpster fire of drama. Uh, everybody else has stayed pretty, pretty clean in the last uh, 12 months or so. So we're going to find out next month what's really going to happen with this company. Uh, Bianca Belair, Fightful noted, by the way, uh, is probably going to be off TV through the merger uh, for between one and three months here. She's uh, had this time scheduled to take off. Obviously, she did this 420 day run as WWE Raw Women's Champion. Uh, I was really happy in the Fightful report to see that uh, management was impressed by her media and community event schedule because as somebody who has gone to pretty much every on-site WWE media event in the last several years, she is always there. Her and Drew McIntyre, Montez, her husband, they're everything. And the kids love her. She's so great in that environment, and it is a grind it is a grind to do as much as she had so she's getting some time off um after this grueling schedule and man um i think it's good man i think some time away from tv she's done so much she's worked with everybody i want to see what she looks like on the other side i want to i want a big comeback for her to really make an impression and, and pop that women's division again when she comes back yeah she's an absolute asset uh, I'm selfish and I see three months and go, maybe she's filming a movie or something. Because <laughs> I just want more Bianca, you know? Well, but they but were fil- they were rest. they were filming this Hulu reality series up until uh SummerSlam. Uh, I think Montez told me at one of the community mm-hmm. events they just finished wrapping it. So you will get more Bianca Belair content. And again, on top of the everything else, the community events, she's filming a reality show, she's she's putting together matches. Like what a machine. Absolute machine. Yeah. All right, last block here before we uh we're gonna do our our outro and we're going to throw to ricochet here at the end of the show. You're going to hear me and ricochet from SummerSlam weekend. Uh, Dana white had a couple comments about talent from WWE that people have thought maybe coming back into the fold, especially as UFC 300 is on the horizon. Another big historic show for the company. Uh, white told sports illustrated Brock Lesnar is done, not coming back. I think he's moved on. I think that's pretty obvious, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think. I mean, we just see him and know that he could still murder anybody that he wants to. So we go, well, why not put him back in the cage? But you I go do, like, you know what I see? I I think I don't know. I'm just putting this out into the universe. Do you think we ever see Jake Paul Brock Lesnar like a boxing match? Because Jake Paul loves fighting these UFC guys, but not. I mean, I think he might mm-hmm. wrestle Nate Diaz. I think that's what he said he wanted to do after the next one. But man. Just a boxing match between Jake Paul and Brock Lesnar. A Paul Heyman is salivating. I'm sure some were thinking about this. I mean, it had to have crossed his mind. The reason I would say no is the UFC fights that I remember from Brock Lesnar wasn't a lot of ground and pound. It wasn't a lot of standing up and hitting. It was a lot of like taking someone to the ground. It's his amateur oh, wrestling style. Good call. I don't know that Brock Lesnar would ever risk taking a loss from a trained boxer because let's not forget jake paul is a youtube sensation and notable jerk he has also been training as a boxer for years that is true that's a very very good point oh man that's isn't that that's that's a weird thought like a fight brock lesnar wouldn't take because he'd be like and i hate to say this because he'll kill me but 
scared to take the fight, right? Like, oh, I'm willing to a, take the risk. That's a weird <laughs> thought with Brock Lesnar. I don't even he. I mean, he's like I, I read a story one time, and I I gotta find it. And I, I maybe I'm just like doing mythology, but I think he like shot a, a deer. And like ripped its head off with his bare hands, like or some sounds shit like, like him, th- something like that. Like <laughs> sounds some, just like him. There's definitely a story in a book. Uh, it's not Gord's book; it's some other person's book. But they told a story about how they went to go film a vignette at Brock Lesnar's compound, which, for what it's worth, Brock Lesnar's compound needs to be the set of a horror film. Somebody needs to get locked in the compound, trapped in the compound, hunted by Brock Lesnar in his compound. I want that. But anyway, they go to the compound to film this vignette and they go into Brock's barn and they're trying to film Brock in his barn doing Brock stuff for this vignette. But there's these birds in this nest that are chirping and the sound guy's like, oh, I keep hearing these birds. Can we do something about the birds? And Brock Lesnar's like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Goes over to the nest, picks up the nest of these baby birds and he puts them on the ground and he stomps on them and he kills all these baby birds. And he looks at everybody on set. And he goes, that's how we do things around here. If you have a problem, you get the fuck out. And then they got back to doing business and filmed this vignette of Brock Lesnar doing Brock Lesnar things in his barn. And I paraphrase some of that, but it's pretty, pretty spot on. I've read that story several times. So it's. In fairness, there were no rules against the deer or the ducks, right? So the, I mean, I don't know if there were ducks. I think they were just birds, birds. just baby, birds, <laughs> baby birds of some kind in a don't barn. Disseminate misinformation about ducks versus small birds. Oh my God. I think the the reason I think is because you can make a ton of rules that give you the favor, right? And I think that he doesn't have favorable rules in a boxing match. Yes, but I mean, if it's it... against live game, for sure he'll take it. <laughs> Bear, yes. Jake Paul, no. But is the bear wearing gloves? Uh, last uh, Dana White item, he shot down the rumor once again, second time in a week. Ronda Rousey coming back, and he's like, guys, she's having kids. Ronda went to WWE. She is a success. She has tons of money. Ronda Rousey not coming back to UFC for the second time on the record. So I think we could put this one to bed. I was, I, I made it the headline. I didn't want it to be misleading, but when Dana White says she's having kids, I don't know. Does he know? I mean, in the last couple of weeks since SummerSlam, did she get pregnant? Is she working on having kids? I wasn't exactly sure what Dana White meant by that. Um, but Rhonda's not coming back. There you go. I mean, she could have said something as simple as like, you know, just the family. I want to grow my family. Like I could all, all she said, and that could mean right. that she's having kids doing a thing. I'd be surprised with the merger if she wasn't ultimately at some point utilized as kind of an ambassador of certain things. Same with Brock. But I don't. Same with Brock. I don't see them both in the ring unless it's one-on-one Ronda versus Brock. I think you, you and I are thinking the exact same thing. These two entities will be utilized by UFC and WWE as ambassadors. I I have to believe that I have to think we're going to see Brock and Ronda alongside Dana White and Vince McMahon at some kind of stock market ticker ceremony next month when they launch the new product uh, publicly traded company which will be a spectacle that i am excited to see dana white and vince mcmahon are going to work together to launch their new publicly traded company you better believe that shit's going to be fucking wild (laughs) insane Insane. drones everywhere lasers people getting hit (laughs) they had the one ring set up in on wall street once you think they'll do that again 
I don't think so. Not based off of like, I think Pritchard and Gortz have both talked about like what a headache that was. They're like, yeah, we thought it'd be so cool. WWE launched. We'll put a ring there. And everyone like was so uncomfortable. These business people were like, what is happening right now? I think it'll be very professional, but you got to believe something big, something. I, I, I think something, something will happen. I don't know if they drop a ring, but something, something big. We'll see. Anyway. Um, Shawn Michaels comes in on a zip line. <laughs> nothing Sean would love to do more than zip line down Wall Street. I think that's exactly what Sean Michaels wants. Wall yeah. Street, he was one of my best opponents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marsh, it was wonderful chatting with you. And for I didn't call it out, but Marsh is doing a wonderful job with all of our graphics. So all of the graphics we share out each week on the site were designed by Marsh. It's a wonderful job. Uh, I don't know if you would plug it or promote it, but if you do want if you do want graphic work, I would obviously encourage you uh, to go to at Ref Marsh over on Twitter. Uh, Marsh, uh, before we throw to Ricochet to wrap up the show, uh, is there anything you want to tell our listeners about you? Maybe where they can support you, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on every week with John Arezzi at the John Arezzi Pro Wrestling Spotlight, youtubecom slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, also, youtubecom slash Queen of Carnage. I'm also weekly over there with Medusa. Mm-hmm. going through uh much of her career at this point which has been a lot uh, a lot of fun to really dive into the wrestling side of it uh but that's those are the big ones uh obviously wrestling on the rocks i do a little more sporadically now but i'm still over there so uh you can find me there all right everybody and i'm uh, i'm at nick underscore Houseman. uh i am gonna be back on tuesday hopefully with denise salcedo she said to pencil it in we'll confirm it on monday we'll we'll put a graphic together for it i think she'll be there She's a pretty reliable person. Um, but yeah, Denise, I don't know what interview I'll have on uh, Tuesday. If I have an interview today, the Ricochet interview is last SummerSlam interview. So we've run through the WWE ones. Uh, but yeah, you can find us on all of the social media platforms. And again, go check out the House of Wrestling podcast and YouTube channel. Give those a follow. That stuff definitely helps. All right. I'm going to drop out Marsh here. And uh, right now I'm going to cut to my interview from SummerSlam weekend with Ricochet. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Cowsman here for House of Wrestling at the WWE SummerSlam Media Row, and I am joined right now by Ricochet. Ricochet, thank you so much for taking the time. No problem at all. First of all, what's up with this outfit? You joining Judgment Day? Uh, this is Sasuke's curse mark in Naruto. Oh, so no Judgment Day tees? Like no, no Judgment Day tees. <laughs> it's uh, anime tee. Oh, got it. Okay. You just look like you'd fit in with that crew right now. You know, I, I, you know, I got to do some, some, uh, some eyeliner. I think I need eyeliner and I need You need a mommy. A mommy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, it is great to see you in the position you're at, Ricochet. I mean, a, this is probably arguably the highlight of your WWE run. This is a huge match yeah. with Logan Paul. Um, you guys have had a lot of big spots leading into this from Rumble and, and onward at Money in the Bank, obviously, as well. Has this always been the plan to build to a big singles match at SummerSlam between you two? Um, I, I, not for me. I, I know at at the Rumble, you find yourself in a situation, and when he and I collided, I had no further thoughts. Obviously, you hear the fans and you hear the reaction of that, and you know there could be potentially something. But I, you know, am unaware of the future of what what, what what's going on. For me, it didn't start really until like Money in the Bank. Yeah. After that, he going on his podcast. That's when, I, okay, bro, you gotta shut, you gotta shut up, bro. Like, what are we doing now? <laughs> so, that's when it kind of started for me. But at, at Royal Rumble, you, there definitely, obviously, is something there between us two. But I, I had no further thoughts of what was about to happen. Absolutely, yeah, no. Well, I've heard that uh, he's been reviewing tape of you and Will Osprey getting ready for this match. Are you, are you? Uh, can fans expect 
uh, an athletic bout between the two of you on the level that we saw between the classics you had with Osprey? I mean, I, I, I don't know if anyone's going to perform on the level of what I and Osprey did. I feel like what he and I did, because we weren't trying to create some crazy viral moment that everyone's going to talk about forever. We were just planning, me and, me and Osprey were just going to go out there, take it to each other, and have the match that we have. He just is a freak of nature, you know what I mean? And obviously Logan, in his own way, is an athletic freak. He does his own stuff. And I feel like, yes, comparatively speaking, Logan and I will go out there and have a crazy athletic contest compared to what you're probably going to see at a Jay and Roman or out of, you know, those guys. But I do think between what he is capable of and what I am capable of, you should... I don't know if you guys heard that. They can't. No. It's a really nice microphone. They shouldn't at least. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> with what both of us are capable of doing, and I know he's he's crazy. He's crazy in his own way. I know. I, there's, it's absolutely. There's going to be something that's going to blow everybody's mind for sure. Yeah. And you know, talk about Osprey. Last question here. Would you? Would you be? Would you like to have another bout with Will? I mean, the forbidden door seems to open these days. Andy's talked about how he doesn't know how much longer his career is going to go based on all the wear and tear he's put his body through. That dummy. But uh, <laughs> he's a dummy. He does. He does. He does. He's always hurt. He's always hurting himself. He's like my little brother. Um, absolutely. Any. I would absolutely love to have another opportunity to, for me and Osprey to have another bout. Uh, especially because I believe. Like the last one, we I think he won. I believe he did as well. That's so dumb. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I would love to have my revenge on Will Ospreay in, in any capacity, absolutely. But like you said, he's he's doing his own thing. He's making his own. He's like he's paving his own way. He's doing his own thing on his his, his own time. So if it happens, it happens. Uh, but like uh, uh, until then, I do just hope he stays healthy. Stop doing so much stuff, hurting yourself so much. I should. What do you think of that? What you think of the Tiger Driver ninety one? Yay no. What? Do you, yay no. What do you I think? Mean, not for me, brother. That's all them. I'm glad. That's all him. If someone drops me like that, we fight in. Okay, Ricochet, I want to thank you so much for the time. Best of luck this weekend. Thank you so much. That was a great conversation. <laughs>